0: Um, A couple of weeks ago, uh, or three weeks ago really, we started our series where we were talking, we've been talking about prayer, prayer, and uh, last week, or two weeks ago, last week uh, we did an apologetics talk, uh, Zach uh, led us in that, and um, we talked about how God answers our prayer two weeks ago, and how he answers with a yes, with a no, or with a wait, with a weight. And, and, and the yeses are great, right? We love the yeses because, you know, we feel like, all right, we're in line with God, this is wonderful, this is great. Um, the no's, they're tough to take, but we can, we can trust that everything's right and that God's in control and we can move on when he says no. It's the weights that are the hard, hard prayers, right? It's the weights um, that are the, the toughest part of our relationship with God and sometimes when we're waiting we're not even really sure if we're waiting you all know what I mean like sometimes you'll be you'll be waiting and you're like I mean is God really telling me no or is he or is he saying maybe he's saying yes and I don't I don't really understand and and you know so you're just sitting there and you're waiting and you know I don't want to move forward because I don't want to make a a, the wrong decision or the, the bad decision and um so today we're going to talk about what you do as you wait on God. What you do as you wait on God. Has anybody ever been in kind of that predicament? Well, you know, what do you do when you wait on God? Yeah, just one. Okay. Let me pray and we'll dismiss. So, um, <clears throat> so here's, here's the thing. You at some point will come to that, to that point in your life. You're praying about something, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship. It doesn't matter what it is. You're going to have to wait. And so what do you do when you wait? Here's what you do. Y'all ready? I've been dragging this tease out for like three weeks now. It's been awesome. Here's what you do. You fast. You fast. And you're like, that's it? That's all? There's nothing? That-. Listen, there's a lot that goes in to waiting. And as you're waiting to hear from God, fast. But not for the reason that you might typically think. Okay, now we often think that fasting is like um, putting a, a megaphone to God's ear, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like so, so He can hear you above all the other people praying, right? I mean, and you're just God, God. I know that you can hear me now because I haven't haven't eaten lunch, right? And 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 and, and you feel. I mean, you, you, that's kind of the mentality. Sometimes you get this this uh, this thought in your process in your head, like, oh, okay, he can hear me better than all the other prayers, right? The other other people praying, um, and it's kind of like a, having an, an unfair advantage. You know, say like you're in a—I a, know some of you all have seen this video, but say you're in a drum off, right? Um, go ahead and play that play that video. Come on. <laughs> So there you go, cowbell went. Those are like four minutes of a song or something. Cowbell wins every time, right? Every single time, cowbell wins. It doesn't matter. And so that's this unspoken mentality that we have when it comes to fasting. Um, it, but if you think about it, obviously that makes no sense whatsoever, right? God, God is God, and it's not like oh, oh, I'll, oh, you're you're not eating. Well, I can hear you so much better, right? Um, and and so here's the thing, if God can hear all of our prayers and answer all of our prayers, which blows my mind, I started thinking about that, that takes unfathomable, which I can't even say, unfathomable power, unfathomable multitasking, and unfathomable uh, administration skills, I mean, to, to do that. So that, that's God, right? Right. And, and, and if he can hear all of that, then he didn't set up fasting to serve as a megaphone. He didn't set up fasting to serve as a cowbell. Um, it's not like he's up in heaven going, oh, you know, I can hear all of you, but I'm going to set it up so that if you fast, I can hear better. It's not the way he did it. Now, here's, here's what we can take from this. God is God, and he hears you, okay? He hears everything, and we already have 100% of his attention. 100% of his attention. And he's, not, he's listening to you whether you fast or not. And so now the question is, well, what good is fasting then, right? What, what, I don't, wait a minute. You just shot it out of the sky. Here's the thing. Just like prayer and just like we talked about a few weeks ago, fasting is not for God. Fasting is for you. It is for us. Fasting is a way to imitate and become more like Jesus and become more like our Heavenly Father. Um, fasting is a way to sacrifice. Uh, and God's ultimate act of love on the cross was one of sacrifice. It is a sacrifice to God. And so as Christians, our lifestyle should be one of sacrifice. It should be one of love, not worry and wants, but that's one of the things that kind of sets us apart as as christians is that sacrifice and yet when we have to wait or we're praying about something and what do we do what do we do what do we do we tend to worry and and get kind of wrapped up in ourselves and oh i don't know i don't know this is why this is why you know when friends come around and they've got this big dilemma you know you're kind of like oh you know you can jive, right? And you're trying to dodge. And we've gone through this story so many times. They've got to talk it out four or five. You know, they're so worried. And they're not truly setting themselves apart and trusting in Christ anymore. But that only happens to our friends, right? It doesn't never happen to us, I'm sure. So, now, in the Old Testament, we see a ton of instances of sacrifice. I'll just give you a few. Abraham sacrificing his son um, because he believed, in uh, Hebrews 11, uh, 17 through 19, you can just roll through those, I'm not going to read them. Um, he believed that God could bring back his son Isaac, right? Now in the Old Testament, you read this and you say, what in the world is he doing? But it's in Hebrews that we actually get clarity as to what he was thinking in his thought process. It was a trust issue for Abraham, just like it's a trust issue for us, right? Would he trust God enough to put him, put God, before his own son he did and then god stepped in at the right uh right at the the last moment before he sacrificed him now here's the thing this points to jesus every sacrifice in scripture points to jesus he was our sacrifice he died on the cross but he was raised back to life again just as abraham believed god could do right now, in, in Exodus and Leviticus, you know, those, those, the second half of Exodus, the first part of Exodus is pretty fun to read. It's Moses and all this stuff. And then he starts laying down laws. Like, here's all the laws, right? And don't wear this kind of clothing, and don't do this, and don't do that, right? And then all of a sudden, there's the Ten Commandments. Oh, we get around, we can, we can rally around the Ten Commandments, right? And then comes Leviticus. And you're like, oh, my goodness, my eyes are just glazing over, right? Um, this, these two books are actually amazing. I actually went through a study of uh, Exodus and Leviticus, and just, just to look at the law recently. I don't know why, because normally it does glaze my eyes over, but it was just amazing to me, and it was just God, I guess, working in me, because it's not the normal thing. But what it is is it's actually a history of your life. Yeah, what? Here's the thing: when you become a Christ follower, you become grafted in to this history, this Christ history. And so this is our history now. And so it's the Old Testament sacrifice that they talk a lot about, and it foreshadows Christ, it points to Christ. And the sacrifice that we read in Leviticus is like the beta version of the sacrifice of Christ. It is where the Father places Jesus on the cross. It's a symbolism. Now, none of these sacrifices were forced. OK, uh, I've got a seven and eight baseball team. We played two games yesterday. It was miserable. Three o'clock and five thirty. They were they were I, don't know, I was telling Mark. You know, they were like drones. You know, they're just like standing there. You know, it's like must go after the ball. You know, they're just walking. People are hitting home runs because they just don't want to take two steps to the right or left. You know, it was just awful. And we have these mandatory practices and then we have voluntary practices. And here's the thing, I can't force any of these parents to bring the kids to the mandatory practice. We just call it mandatory practice to try to get everybody there. Sometimes they don't show up, but I can't force them. And so in the same way, um, you did these sacrifices because you wanted to follow your Heavenly Father, not because they were mandatory. Um, You did them to be closer to God. There were burnt and grain and peace offerings, all of these things were voluntary, but then some of them, the sin, the sin offerings, they, they were pretty serious, and they involved blood, the sacrifice of the blood of an animal, and that blood is essential for that animal to survive, and so they had to die so that the worshiper may live free of that past sin, it's key there, the past sin. Now this is, again, what's so amazing about Jesus, he shed his blood on the cross for our sins but he lived, right? He didn't stay dead. He is our eternal sacrifice because of his blood, and he sits next to the Father in heaven. He is our living sacrifice for past, present, and future sins. Isn't that nice, right? I don't have to keep getting a dog, okay, because i got to sacrifice my, you know, I was going to say Fifi, but that's the name of the band. That's what my dad used to call our dog, you know. Not F-I-F-I, if that makes any difference. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you don't have to sacrifice Rufus, you know, to, to take care of your sins. Um, so so that's a good thing. Uh, I feel horrible now. In the Psalms and in the latter part of the Old Testament, we see fasting during grieving or extreme disappointment, right? Right. Um, there's so many scriptures that, that show this. But what you notice in all of these scriptures is that instead of running from God, who is actually the focal point of the pain, because they're asking God, why was this caused? What happened? All that kind of stuff. Instead of that, they run to God. They run to God. And so all throughout the Old Testament, fasting is associated with sacrifice and humility. Humility's key, right? You can't sacrifice... Because that's the megaphone kind of deal. You know, you can't, you can't uh, uh, fast and go, God, I'm fasting, check me out, right? That doesn't work. It involves humility, a recognition that God is bigger than you, and better than you, and that he loves you, and that you owe him more than you could ever repay. Now let me ask a question, a little uh, congregational question here. What are some needs that we have, not wants, uh, needs, and and there really aren't very many, but uh, let me write them down. What's that? Food. Food? All right. Water. Water? Yep. What else? Shelter. Medicine. Okay. Clothing. Clothing. What was that? What else? Anything else you can think of? Yeah. (laughs) Relationships? Is that what you're saying? Air. Air. Oh, air. Air. I thought you were pointing to him saying, I need him. Which was was sweet. You should have just run with it. (laughs) Yeah <laughs> We all know Jerry needs Ashley. Yeah. What else? Health? Yeah. We'll put that with medicine, yeah. Love. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is a good list. This is a real good list, um, and fasting is when you take away your needs to focus on God. Um, that's what makes it a sacrifice. You can't survive your, you, know, you can't um, sacrifice your wants or your luxuries, right? Because you can easily do without those. Uh, sacrifice is key to the Christian walk. It is key to growing deeper. In your relationship with Christ, and what we see in the world, especially, and even in the uh, church—not our church, obviously—but in the church as a whole, uh, we see people who want to receive, but people who are unwilling to actually sacrifice. That's that's hard, and our culture promotes it constantly. Right? It's called advertising. Right? That's that's why you got to have the latest and greatest and um, Leave and the, and the kids are, are uh, they, they watch Cubo. Well, Leave doesn't watch Cubo. The kids watch Cubo. It's a cartoon channel. And every time a, car, uh, a commercial comes on, th- I mean, what are, they, what are they hawking on us? You know, it's like, what's the latest thing? It's Play Doh that glows, is the latest thing, right? Oh, and you can bake it and then put it on your wall and all this stuff. And every single commercial we want that, we want that, I want that, I want that. And so I just got to the point, I got tired of hearing them, and I just, got, I just started going, me too, me too. And they're like, can we get it? Nope. I want that, me too. Can we get it? Nope. I mean, now, I, w- I will not lie to you. Um, someone in our family has broken down, and we've got them some of these things for Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah, it was me. It was me, obviously. Have you, have you ever seen those seatbelt pets? I mean, they are they are things that that strap on your uh, seatbelt, and at the top it's it's the the head of whatever pet a lion, a tiger, a bear, oh my, you know. And so you know, in the commercial, they're they're they've got it and they're just asleep so restfully. With my kids, they're doing one of these, right? The pillows up here and it's actually holding them down. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. We bought some of those. What else do we buy? Uh, Oh, the oh night lights now those were actually a good buy we there were these night lights that projected stars on the wall but at 20 bucks a pop oh plus shipping and handling which is another 8 a pop and then there's all kinds of, there's a couple other dollars in there we'll get you with tax and things like that my family can get sucked into marketing pretty good but they're all every one of them it's a luxury it's uh it's it's not something we need and so we need to understand, too, the thing is that not all needs make the cut in fasting. Um, so let's take a look at what needs to fast from. Um, how do we still fast today? Uh, Matthew 4 is what we're going to look at. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. It's a pretty uh, short scripture today. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 4 uh, is, is, uh, is where we're at. And this is Jesus And he is about to begin his ministry. And this is the story of when he and the devil meet. Okay? So Matthew 4, 1 through 4. It says, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So here's something that Jesus recognizes. He has a challenge in front of him. All right? And so, like many of us, we wait. This is, this is our challenge, is what a, what a wait is. When we're God, we're praying. Do we take this job? Do we, what about this relationship? Do I, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I walk here? Do I go there? We're, we're waiting, and this is the challenge that is in front of Jesus like the challenge that is in front of us. So what does he do? Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, all right? So he fasted. He fasted from food. He's sacrificing food to be closer to his heavenly Father. Now, it, again, if if we can go without the latest and greatest, it's not much of a sacrifice. But you can't go without food for a week very easily, right? It's hard. I if I miss one meal, I get this incredible headache. I mean, and I, and I say one meal, I can work through like lunch or something like that, but. But if I miss lunch and dinner, I start getting a headache. And then the next day is worse. It's awful. But I find that after three days, you can actually you come out of it. And I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but that's the way it is for me. But those three days are the most excruciating, painful days. You can't, I can't think. I mean, it's just, oh, it's awful. Now, let me, let me give a little... Side note here, I, I will honestly admit I don't fast a whole lot because I hate headaches, and that's my own sin. When I know God is calling me to do that, I need to do that. Um, and so I don't, want, I don't want you to walk out of here going, oh, Jason fasts every week. He's, you know, three days a week and all this stuff. Um, I don't fast often, and I need to fast a whole lot more. And It's probably like most of us. Um, we need to go to God. And, and fast in those times but here's the thing you can't go for food without food uh for very long very easily it's a sacrifice and, and in our in elementary do y'all remember what of these in in elementary school you were taught were um were essential the three essential uh things it may have been different four what was it Okay, yeah, so I put food, we put food and water together, shelter and clothing is what I was taught, yeah, and and, and so here's the thing, <clears throat> these are the essentials, and today we're told like, you know, well, you, you can't live without cell phones, right, well, what happens to you, right, what happens to you if something happens on the road, right, well, you, back, back, what, 30, 40 years ago, you waited for a car to come by, right? Uh, well, well, what about the Internet? You can't live without the Internet. This is true. I I can't live without getting my daily celebrity gossip, right? It's just, it's just too hard. Um, but really, obviously, we can go without those. But think about this. Um, we can go without shelter and survive, right? Um, the, the train kids that we see around here, uh, many of them... Choose to be train kids. Many of them have homes in Chicago and and L.A. and all this stuff, and they choose to be homeless. Now, don't don't mix this up with the the homeless that you see under the bridge. Those that is actually those are homeless people, right? Um, but many homeless people train and we term them train kids because they hop the train and go from town to town. Um, many of them choose to do that. Um, And really, in a way, the bridge or a tent, some of them have really nice tents, by the way, as I'm driving by, it wouldn't be something I want to do as a lifestyle, but, you know, uh, those things, the bridge and the tents, that is a form of shelter, in a way. Um, And so, you can kind of live and survive without shelter. Um, Clothing. You can, you can survive without clothing. You, you'll get arrested, right? And you probably gross people out, but you can survive without clothing. There's, there's tribes in the Amazon that, that do it still, you know? There's, there's a little clothing, and, but they really have nothing. But you cannot go without food for 41 days or a little longer. You can't go without food and survive. Now, verse 3, y'all ready? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So Jesus has been with God for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil comes, and he knows he's hungry, because Scripture says he's hungry. He was hungry. And so, obviously, he's hungry. 40 days, 40, man, I'd be, I'd, I'd probably, <laughs> I shouldn't say, I, I would be, I'd be eating my cabinet. Alright, I'm so hungry. And so, here's the thing. Normally, we would think, and the devil was probably thinking this, that this is when Jesus would be the most vulnerable. Right? He's so hungry. But this is actually when Jesus is the most powerful. Because he has grown closer and closer and closer to his heavenly Father every single day. The devil gets it wrong. And often we get it wrong. This is when he was the most powerful. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this is a pretty practical statement if you're fasting. When we fast, we're not only sacrificing to imitate and emulate Jesus' sacrifice, but we also need to understand that we need to divert those physical pains. And, and when I fast, my stomach is louder than my voice. I mean, it's like, you know, it's I mean, it's like I don't want to be around people because I don't want them to think something else is going on. You know, it's just... and so <laughs> we need to divert those physical pains as well. And we need to do what Jesus does here. He says, I hunger for my Father more than I hunger for food. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I hunger for my Father more than I hunger for food. So there's some things that we consider a sacrifice that are just repentance, right? Um, TV, right? Watching stuff we shouldn't watch. You know, a lot of times we'll say, I, I hear people all the time say, uh, you know, I'm, I, I took out the uh, TV for, for Lent. I'm like, no, that's just repentance. You shouldn't, you know, the stuff that we watch most of the time is not godly anyway, right? Don't call it a sacrifice because you're still very much surviving, right? You're not sacrificing a survival need. Um, and then there's things um, that we would consider a sacrifice, but they're really just living a true life for Christ. Um, serving with your time, talents, and treasures. We talk about that quite often around here. That's not a sacrifice, that's just being obedient, you know? I'm going to give, you know, 10% or I'm going to go and help do this or do that. It's not a sacrifice, it's just being obedient. Now, if you gave all that you had, like the widowed woman uh, in, in Scripture where she's got, all she's got is two cents to her name, she gives those two cents, if you do that and, and Okay, we're not health wealth here, so I'm not promoting this, okay? Everybody understands me, this is just the example. If you do that, and the money that gives you food and everything else you need, um, and you are trusting that God will take care of you, that would be a sacrifice, like the the woman in, in Scripture. But the normal obedience that Jesus calls us to is not to be considered sacrifice. It's just our love for Him. So... Food is one of two examples given in New Testament Scripture of a fast. The other is between a married couple who abstain from relations. Um, and there's no kids in here, so I think we all know what we're talking about. Uh, but this should only be done, and Paul is a very wise man here, okay? And no emphasis on man. Uh, it should only be done in agreement and only for a short time, right? Because he says, Basically, you, you run the danger of falling into sin, all right? So, so we need to fast to abstain or sacrifice from our needs in order to focus on Jesus. And for some of us, it may be time for us to start sacrificing as a lifestyle, and it, and it starts in your prayer time. So if you want to go to that next level with God, uh, then you need to fast. Um, and you can go home and talk, uh, with your spouse about that and how that all works out, but be prepared for some things, be prepared to become, uh, remorseful over your sin, be prepared, uh, to be more repentant from your sin, uh, be prepared to gain a a deeper knowledge and understanding of God and his will for your life and his direction for your life, um, and so no matter where you're at, like maybe you're, you're in this kind of this basic, somewhat consistent level of, you know, prayer, it's like a try and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, don't let that stop you, okay? You don't have to be this like prayer warrior to, to fast. But um, I, I will tell you this, if you're kind of on that level, it's going to aggravate you at first. You're going to be aggravated. So I want you to know this going in so you don't give up, all right? It's going to be boring. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. But here's what it's going to also do. It's going to point out very quickly and very easily what has enslaved you and keeps you from talking to God, right? Because you'll be like, normally at this time I'd be eating, and I'd be eating a lot, right? And I'd be eating these, these, these wonderful things. Or normally at this time I'd be doing this, and, and normally at this time I'd be doing this. And so it'll point out what has a hold of you so tightly that you're not willing to give it up. So it'll, it'll be a big challenge, okay? Um, but no matter where you're at in your prayer life, uh, fasting will turn into this incredible joy. It's, it's, it's amazing, the joy, especially after you get past those, those, those days. All of a sudden, you realize you're, you're, I won't say you're not hungry anymore, but you're, I don't know how to describe it. You're past that point of, of oh, right? That's the best way I can describe it. It's so awful. <laughs> but no matter where you're at, you're going to have this joy, and you're going to know and feel and understand God in a, such a deeper way. Um, not because you have his attention, but because he has more of yours. He has more of mine. So our sacrifice to God reveals our love for him. And we don't have to sacrifice, but when we do, we need to give our best. Don't go in it going, "Mm, maybe I will. You know, I'll try to miss lunch, you know. If you're not hungry, right, then you're not fasting right. Give it your best. In the Old Testament, the sacrificers weren't forced. They weren't forced to give an offering, but when they did, they gave the best of their stuff, the best of their crop, the best of their livestock. It was an actual sacrifice to their livelihood. couple of practical things, um, and then we'll close. Don't harm yourself in fasting, okay? Um, God is not asking us to be... Uh, masochistic or, or permanently harm ourselves in any way uh, another thing is fasting is is private Matthew 6 uh, 16 through 18 Jesus walks through the Pharisees and he says these guys do it to make themselves look good you do it where only God knows and obviously if you're in in, in a household and you know your spouse or your, uh you know your children are probably going to know so fasting is private um, you got to do it without drawing attention to yourself. You don't want to come to church and, and uh, be like, man, I'm so hungry, you know? Well, what you been doing? I've been fasting. It's all, you know, that's, that's not good. You're just, just bringing attention to yourself. This fast is, is where only, the only one who knows should be God, and uh, it should be between you and God. So when you fast, you are placing a reliance on Christ to sustain you, to lift you up. You are placing your physical body and, and personhood in his hands. This is what you do when you wait. Now, if, th- if this is a long wait, okay, don't be like, you know what, I'm uh, I'm not going to have this new house until I save up, so I'm going to fast for two years. Obviously, don't do that, right? Okay, but this is what you do when you wait, not so God can hear you, but so that you can imitate and become more like him, and so that you can more clearly hear from God, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for giving us insight into uh, your son, Jesus. Thank you for being our God Thank you for resisting the devil and giving us such a powerful example of of what to do when we fast, that we need to trust in you, to trust in our Heavenly Father. Thank you for being powerful at that moment. Father, we ask that you give us that power, give us that strength, because I know from personal experience, it is hard from a person who loves food God it is hard and so we ask that you will give us the strength we need so that we can draw closer to you especially in these times when we are called to wait to wait it's so hard God so give us that strength that we need we ask this in Jesus name amen